Welcome to Downstage Center at XM Satellite Radio. I'm John Von Susten, Program Director of XM28 on Broadway. And I'm Howard Sherman, the Executive Director of the American Theatre Wing. Welcome. We're very pleased today to welcome B.B. Newirth uh, here in New York working on a new project, Here Lies Jenny, with the works of Kurt Weil. Uh, she's collaborating with Anne Reinking and Roger Reese on this project. And, and just by way of introduction to B.B., of course, a two-time Tony Award winner for your work first in Sweet Charity and later, of course, for Chicago, the version that's currently playing on Broadway without you, of course, but back in 1997, you did win the Tony for that. That was a very good year for you as well. You won the Astaire Award, the Drama Desk Award, the Drama League, and the Outer Critics Circle Award for all of that. And, of course, you picked up a couple Emmys along the way for Cheers. So welcome. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. So first, tell us about Here Lies Jenny, because this is a new piece that you're involved in the creation of. About uh, about two and a half years ago, I, I went to my friend Leslie Stifelman, who is a musician and a conductor at Chicago, and I said I wanted to work on start working on some music, because people have always said to me, do a, do a show, do a show, do a one-woman show. And I, I generally hate one-women shows, <laughs> unless it's Elaine Stritch or Cheetah or, you know, Patti LuPone. I, I get very uncomfortable. I, I think you have to... Anyway, I, I get uncomfortable, but I just kept getting so much pressure. So I, Leslie and I started looking at music, and all the music that I loved the most was Kurt Vile music. So over, you know, off and on for about two years, we were looking at these um, pieces from all different points of his... Uh, and um, we said, what are we going to do with this? Because I don't want to stand up in front of an audience saying, now here's a song he wrote, I, I like it, I hope you do too. And uh, I didn't want to do a show where I had, you know, the dancing boys and I didn't want to do a review. I'm much more comfortable as a character doing something. I'm not comfortable um, just being myself and singing in front of people. It's embarrassing somehow. So uh, I invited my very close friend, Roger Rees, to listen to the music and see what he had to say about it. He's um, not just a great actor. He's also a fantastic director. He and I did a production of uh, The Taming of the Shrew together, which he directed and also played Petruchio. And um, so we're very close, and I know he's a great director, and he's got a very uh, interesting creative mind. He listened to all the vile songs that, um, that I was working on, and realized that they uh, all described women or certain aspects of women or different times in women's lives. And he thought, wouldn't it be interesting to have a certain amount of these songs, uh, have them come from one woman and have that be a very specific woman in a very specific bar saloon that could be anywhere in the world, Specifically, anywhere in the world it could be Shanghai. It could be um, it could be Bilbao. It could be San Francisco. It could be real. It could be anywhere, and it could be at any time in the twentieth century, a any period. It's sort of an every woman who is a very specific person. And she comes to this bar. There's a piano player there. There's a barman. There are two very seedy, scary guys there, and it, it it's. It's hard to explain because I haven't seen any show that's like this, but it goes moment to moment, uh, truthfully, emotionally truthfully. Everything goes moment to moment in a very logical and emotionally fulfilling way. 
It doesn't have a linear story, however. All of these songs describe um, the, the interaction between the people there, these five people there, um, make it necessary to sing the next song. Uh, there's no text. And um, and unlike some shows that, you know, take a whole uh, group of songs by a composer or two and uh, impose a story on them, we don't do that. We let the songs describe, just sit exactly as they are. So you're left with um, a sort of an impressionistic, uh, realistic painting of this person's life. You know, you get over the course of the hour or so that the show lasts, you get the the fact that there was a guy, a specific guy in her life that did something, some kind of a deep heartbreak to her. Um, You know that there's a child somewhere. You don't know exactly how. You can sort of make up in your own mind how it works. But it's not so conceptual that it's off-putting to the audience. You know, you really are drawn into the immediate emotional lives and psychological lives that are happening on the stage. What's uh, also interesting to me, at least, is this is not only the music of Kurt Weill, but the lyrics of quite a few different lyrics lyrics writers. That's Everybody right. from Bertolt Brecht and Ira Gershwin to uh, Ogden, Ogden Nash. Nash. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's because we took um, we took music from all of his life, from his very earliest. In fact, we have... Uh, the first music that he wrote um, when he was 16, he took a piece of, uh, of um, what is it, non-liturgical? It's, it's Hebrew used in a poem that's not, uh, re- for, not for religious purposes. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, se- secular, I guess. Okay. And I don't know enough about <laughs> well, religion. Non-liturgical was fine. It was yeah. quite, okay. quite articulate, actually. Um, so, they, so he took this, muse, this poem... And he said it to music when he was 16. Now, that's um, that's the only time that I speak. It's not, you know, I say there's no text. Well, I do speak that poem. I don't sing that poem. Um, but it's to the music he wrote when he was 16. So it goes from there mm. until, you know, Lady in the Dark. Uh, it, it stops off in France. We do some, uh, we do a, one of his French songs. Um, he worked with some phenomenal writers. He was a very, very ambitious uh, composer and brilliant composer. I, I think that's unusual to find mm. <laughs> a creative person who's both ambitious and really good at what they do. And very interesting because his early, early work, of course, was in Germany. He was German-born, did sure. his work in Berlin. That's right. And then later emigrated to this country and did some of his finest work in this country. Right. And when he realized he had to get the heck out of Berlin, mm-hmm. um, you know, being Jewish, he was actually the son of a cantor. Mm-hmm. Um, he, stu- he went to Paris first. And uh, met Cocteau and all these people there, and and tried to get things going for himself there. He did uh, one show there, um, and then called Marie Galant, and then and then he went to America, and he loved America. Now, obviously, you're working with existing material, and you talked about the fact that when you began this, there were songs that you'd been working on. Mm-hmm. Have you, as the piece is being developed, and you're still in rehearsal as we're talking? Have there been songs that you originally were working on that you determined didn't work within the context of the piece and others that you've had to draw in? How's that? Well, there's there's plenty of songs that I love that are not in the show because it just doesn't work for the show. You know, actually, I was mer- mentioning Marie Gallant. There's a, a song in that called Les Filles de Bordeaux, which is I think is one of the most beautiful songs he's written. There's just no place for it in the show, so I can't use it. We did a um, sort of a workshop presentation of this early on where uh, Pirate Jenny was in the show. 
show, and we found that it just didn't quite work. Now, that's a phenomenal song, mm. and I would love to sing it, but it it doesn't serve the piece uh, as well as other things and other moments could. So we we take it out. It's, it's not not a song that the character might sing in the context oh, of the show. Is that it any? is something that she would sing definitely. But at that moment, uh-huh. uh, the emotional life of what's going on for the people there it didn't quite make sense psychologically and logically and uh, so on for her to sing it quite at that moment. And there really wasn't another place for it. Now, much much of Weil's early work was written in German, mm-hmm. German lyrics. Mm-hmm. Do you do the lyrics in German or are they English? Um, I, I, sing a, I sing a little bit of German, yeah. Do, do you, do you and, speak German? Uh, no, <laughs> I don't. And um, we have, I should mention that um, Leslie Stiefelman, I said, is doing the music and is also playing the piano so beautifully on stage. You don't even miss the fact that there's not an orchestra there. Mm. She's a fine, fine musician. Uh, we have Ed Dixon. He's playing the barman and two beautiful uh, actor dancers called um, Gregory Butler and Shauna Mamjame, who I worked with in Chicago. Um, now Ed Dixon sings uh, uh, something from the Berlin Requiem called the uh, Mertel, and he sings that in German. Uh, he sings um, Berlin in Licht. He sings that in German as well. Hmm. Now, you mentioned Chicago. Mm-hmm. You, of course, worked with Anne Reinking in Chicago. Yes. Now you're working with her again. She's yes, I am. She is. She's just a miracle. She's magnificent. Um, you know, she. You, there are some people, you work with them on stage, and you are immediately intimate with them. Just looking in, your, in their mm-hmm. eyes, you know there's just a connection that's really strong. She and I worked together first in Sweet Charity, and uh, we have a very, very strong connection, and... Um, I think she's a beautiful choreographer as well as just one of the most beautiful dancers I've ever seen. Uh, she she is a uh, a great choreographer. She's also I don't know that people know this. Two things about her: people, a lot of people don't know she's one of the most deeply intelligent people I've ever met. Extremely intelligent, very very complicated and complex, in- fascinating person. And she's also hysterically funny. Hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so her and her artistic sensibility is so much in tune with mine. We really, uh, we really, really understand each other that way. Uh, just as I feel that way with Roger uh, Rees, and then I knew that putting them together mm-hmm. as collaborators would be just perfect. And Leslie, I mean, the four of us, we we all love each other very much. <laughs> now, you, you studied dance at Juilliard. Oh, just for a year. I was in and out of there. I was. It was uh, well, it was after... Uh, oh, so go ahead. I was going to say, do you dance in the show, in this show? I do dance yeah, in the yeah. show, yeah. No, I... Um, I'll tell you why I went to Juilliard. It's because my parents. Uh, I'm from Princeton, New Jersey, and um, my my parents' uh, education was very, very big deal in my home. And uh, my father had gone to Princeton. My mother went to college. My brothers at Harvard, and you know they told me I had to go to college. So, you know, I was just going to be a dancer. I didn't see the need. So I auditioned for Purchase, um, SUNY Purchase, and I auditioned for Juilliard. Mm-hmm. I got into both, and I chose Juilliard just because it was in the city, mm-hmm. and. Like I say, I was in and out of there in a year. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> hang around, and I started working right after that. But you, you did pretty well on Broadway, though. Chicago just won rave reviews. The Tony, yeah, Juilliard's got nothing yeah. to do with that. Okay, a <laughs> little, little, little different, a <laughs> little different, right? Yeah, I, um, I started actually. It was, it was about a year later. I did my first job 
uh, out on the road with a chorus line. I toured with that for a couple of years. I came in, I did it on Broadway for a year. I actually did the show when the hostages came back from Iran. Mm. Remember that? Mm-hmm, they came sure. to see a couple of Broadway shows. Um, I got to perform for them. And uh, yeah, so, and, and I've just been, you know, dancing on Broadway and, and around since. Why don't we take a moment now and listen to uh, a song not from Here Lies Jenny, which does not yet have a cast not album. yet. But why don't we take a moment and hear the great Lada Lenya, one of the great interpreters of, of Kurt Vile's music, uh, and we'll hear the Bill Bow song. That's uh, the Bill Bow song. Do you sing that in the show? I do. You do? Mm-hmm. Um, one more thing about Here Lies Jenny before we, we go back to, to some of the other work that you've done. Um, this is a show that you really instigated. You you were you were really behind this. Is this the start of BB Newworth producer? Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe for other people's things. You know, I I've been um it's something I wanted to do and I did instigate it. I approached Leslie, but she pushed me along and pushed me along and then she said, "Let's get a director and see what he said." And I, I was sort of like, you know, if you can picture a little kid dangling at the end of their mother's arm being dragged <laughs> along. But, it abs- doesn't mean that I didn't want to do it. It just means that I'm one of these people who have I think some really really good ideas, but no follow through. <laughs> I like to be led. I like people to tell me what to do. I like to have a director with a vision. I like a choreographer with a vision. Tell me what to do. Tell me what count to do it on. Tell me what's going on, and I'll do it for you. But uh, for me to uh, be in charge makes me very uncomfortable. Yet you are the person who said, let's get Roger involved. Let's get Anne involved. And so you you brought in the team. (laughs) (laughs) But for many actors, that's that's something that, that... as you say, you obviously are responsive to them and you're working with them, but you had the chance to say these are the you people who I think can help me find this. Yeah, I think it's a testament to, A, how deeply I love the material and how inspired it makes me. I think if I wasn't uh, as inspired or just didn't care, I might not do it. And also, B, how brilliant I think these people are. I think that Leslie Stifelman is brilliant. I know Anne Reinking's brilliant and Roger's brilliant. So I think, well, oh, well, I guess if it's Roger, yeah, that'd be great. Oh, well, okay, if it's Annie, that'd be okay. You know what I mean? Well, it sounds kind of like you you, you know people that you trust, that you believe in, and then you put your trust in them. Yeah. In fact, when I did Taming of the Shrew with Roger, he asked me to to, uh, play Katerina with him, and I thought, oh, my God, you know, people are really going to be looking at me with crossed arms, you know, saying, you know, this chorus cutie is going to try to do Shakespeare. <laughs> so I thought, um, I, I need somebody I can trust with my life. And, and I do trust Roger that deeply. He's, I think he's, he's this, really this dare say is a very different sort of a show than Chicago. <laughs> uh, At least one yeah. would, would think it is very different. <laughs> well, actually in, in, uh, it, it's interesting, you know, uh, I know Kander and Ebb, John Kander and Fred Ebb were quite influenced by Kurt Vile. Um, it's dark. Chicago is mm-hmm. very, very dark. Yes, it is. And Here Lies Jenny is dark, but there is also humor in it. I recall first <laughs> seeing you in Chicago at New York's city center. And for people in our XM audience who may not have been to city center, basically they take three older shows each year and do a five or six performance revival of those shows. And Chicago was one of those. You were in there with Anne Reinking. That's right. And then they took it to Broadway. 
It just kind of evolved out of yeah. that city center encores. That's right. How did that all come about? How did you get put in the show to begin with, and then how did that evolve into uh, the Broadway I heard, show? I heard that it was being done. You, you, had, you had done Pal Joey. A I did Pal Joey there, yeah. For, for encores. For encores, right. that's right. The year before with Patti Lapone and uh, Peter Gallagher, and um, uh, I, I got to play Elaine Stritch's part in that. And I, and I heard that they were going to be doing Chicago. And uh, so I called Walter Bobby, who was directing it, and I said, I hear you're doing Chicago. <laughs> um, I, you know, if you don't have anyone for Velma yet, I don't know if you have anyone for Velma yet, but I just wanted to, you know, toss my hat in the ring for that. He said, you're at the top of the list. And Velma, And I thought when he said you're at the top of the list, I was like maybe one of the top three mm-hmm. or something. I didn't realize he meant at the top of the list. Velma, of course, was the role that was created by Cheetah Rivera That's in 1975. Right. Mm-hmm. How did I, you feel taking on that role when somebody like Cheetah Rivera had already? Well, you know, I, I said this. It must have been a real challenge. I said this before, <laughs> but God bless Cheetah Rivera. Because if it wasn't for her, there wouldn't be as many great roles for people like me to play. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I've, I've played Anita, you know, from West Side Story right. that she originated. Um, I played Aurora, Spider Woman, Kiss of the Spider Woman that she, of course, originated. And uh, I saw her do um, Velma in Chicago when I was 15. I came to see it and I saw Gwen mm-hmm. play wow. Roxy and mm-hmm. Jerry Orbach. And, uh, you know, that was about... A couple of years after I had decided I was going to dance in musical theater instead of be a ballet dancer, mm-hmm. and um, no, it was it was thrilling. It was, I have this sort of blind, dumb, just sort of ignorant focus on what it is that I want to do. You know, when I was thirteen, I saw Pippin and I said, "Okay, I'm going to dance on Broadway. I'm going to do that guy's choreography." Mm-hmm. I had no idea. That for a 13-year-old to say, oh, I'm going to dance on Broadway and I'm going to do Bob Foss's choreography. <laughs> I had no but idea what go. I was saying. <laughs> I just knew that that resonated and I, I wanted – I knew I was going to do it. I had – there was no ego, you know, in that statement. It was just absolutely blindly drawn to it. Encore is a very limited series mm-hmm. and a very limited budget with a very limited rehearsal schedule, yet every show... Yeah, we show, have 10 days of rehearsals and four shows. And every show is so beautifully done, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's just fantastic. How does one do that in such a short amount of time? So it must be very intense. Yeah, and it's inspiring, and it is so much fun. And I tell you, City Center is such a great theater with such a great staff and crew, the guys backstage, everything about that building and what goes on there is just has a great vibe to it. I, I don't know how else to say it. There are places you walk in, you go, ooh, I just don't like being in this mm-hmm. building. Some places you walk in, you go, oh, God, I feel <laughs> good. And that's the way I feel about City Center. I mean, it's just great. Anytime I, I do a benefit or something and it's held at City Center, it's the same feeling. It's mm. it's great. And that Encore series, uh, you know, that Judith Dakin was uh, doing, it, it's it's just, it's really fun. It is so much fun. And you can get anybody to do them because it's only a mm-hmm. two-week commitment. Right. So you can get... You know, your A-list, whatever that They've is. They've had People major go, names. Yeah, that's And they right. continue to. That's They're right. now in their 11th season. So is that right? Ele- some, oh, yeah, yep. sure. That's so right. So something must be working for them. Yeah, yeah. And for the audience, too. Yeah, it's thrilling. I want to come back to that guy that you decided you wanted to dance oh, right. for. I mean, <laughs> how extraordinary. You know, he's he's one of the legends, Bob Fosse. Mm-hmm. And w- Sweet Charity, the revival, that was your first opportunity to, to be dancing his choreography. You know, I did the revival of Little Me in oh, 1980, and, they used and that. that was choreographed by Peter Gennaro. And at some point in our 
my previews or late rehearsals, I think it was our late rehearsals, they decided that there was one number that they weren't crazy about the way it was working, and could we could they bring it back uh, Bob's original choreography? So Peter Gennaro, I have to say, is not only was a brilliant choreographer in his own right, you know, he choreographed actually speaking of West Side Story, he choreographed all the shark stuff in that. He choreographed America. Um, he did all the Latin stuff in that show. He he was beautiful. And beyond that, he was a such a great gentleman of the theater. So that when, you know, in a very uncomfortable, what could be an uncomfortable position, the original choreographer coming back in to work with his cast and reinstate his choreography, he was... He was such a gentleman. He said, listen to that guy. Listen to him. Do what he says because he knows. I mean, he was just, it was beautiful. It was such a lesson in uh, how to be a good human being. And, of course, Peter had, had danced for Bob, you know, Steam Heat and um, and and others. So uh, so that was actually the first time I worked with him was I uh, was in the chorus of Little Me. And um, he was restaging his original Deep Down Inside number. <laughs> Well, you've worked with some of the real greats in recent Broadway history, be it on stage or behind the scenes. Is there anybody that you have not worked with that you just would be so anxious to say, I want to work with so-and-so? Yeah, I want to work with Graziella Danielle. Oh, that's <laughs> fabulous. She's brilliant. Uh, and we actually, you know, sort of kind of have something that's, you know, we're we're trying to fit. Yeah, talking about there's a guy writing some music that um, is really phenomenal. I mean, it could be it could be really incredible. She's She's brilliant. Anybody um, else? That's the first one that, you know, pops in my head. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But there are, you know, and then there are people, there's performers I see all the time who are great. I'd love to, you know, work with them. And um, there's people I'd like to work with again. You know, I just um, did an evening last night in honor of uh, Kander and Neb and Joel uh, Gray was performing in that book. Boy, I'd like to work with him again. And How about in either film or television? Also, Cheetah. I've never worked with oh, Cheetah Rivera. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, That'll the Kennedy Center Honors. We did. Uh, we danced together uh-huh. very, very briefly. But. Uh-huh. How about either television or film? Anybody in that arena? Oh yeah, yeah. There's some great directors I'd like to work with. Sure. Or, or yeah. talent. I'm not, not not just behind the scenes. <laughs> on stage as well. Theater on stage. Well, you know, it's funny. The thing with the thing with movie actors that I've found is there are some of them that are you know, you think they're brilliant in these movies. And then you, like I've auditioned with a couple, or I thought, woo, this guy is not what I thought was <laughs> going on. On, st- I mean, one of the greatest ever, you know, that people think, oh, he's the best in the world. And I, I auditioned with him. I went, wow, he's just bad. But the camera is, what, and what he does by himself is brilliant. And then there's another one who actually has always been my favorite. And I did a... Um, uh, reading just at his house, reading his stuff together, and he was like, "Oh, this guy's great." You know, I worked with Sigourney Weaver. Mm-hmm. Now I saw her in movies. I thought she's fantastic, and mm-hmm. then I got to work with her and went, "Oh, and she really is fantastic." You know, there's <laughs> so nice. much you can get away with. Well, certainly in film, a movie or a television. Yeah, film or television you can't is get away with it. On often stage. made in the editing room, and a lot of the That's bad exactly stuff never right. makes it on the screen. That's whereas right. when you're out on a live stage in a live That's performance, right. you can't hide it. That's right. You can make. You can make a lot look very good mm-hmm. <laughs> in the editing room That's... and with the lights and with, the, you know, it's you're taking a photograph. Um, it's different. Any uh, particular leading men you would like to work with? <laughs> <laughs> 
I I don't know. You 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 putting you on the spot. Putting me on the spot <laughs> okay. a little more than I. You, you can take a pass on that. One. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about Chicago. Take a sip of my soda. We, t- <laughs> we talked about Chicago and working with um, Anne Ranking on the cast album. You do several songs with Anne. Can we play one of those? Please do. Which one would you like us to play? I like my own best friend. I like us singing that together. Can you just set up in the storyline how that song uh, works? Let's see what's happened. Um, well, Velma Kelly is the reigning murderess in the Chicago tabloids, and then this new girl comes in, Roxy Hart, and her she's starting to take the press away from Velma, and then and she's doing very very well, and then all of a sudden there's an heiress who commits this heinous crime and now all of a sudden the reporters go to her and are following her and both of us are sort of left in the lurch Mm -hmm. like now what are we going to do to get the focus back on us so you kind of bond the two characters (laughs) yeah okay from the revival of chicago and ranking and of course bb newworth my own best friend Music from Chicago, my own best friend. We're speaking with B.B. Newworth at XM28 on Broadway at XM Satellite Radio. B.B., you look terrific. What do you do when you're not on stage? What do you do for, <laughs> for, for a life, let's say? Do you... I don't really have much of a life, to tell you the truth. Um, I don't do much Well, certainly dancing. <laughs> C- certainly dancing is exercise. Do you take lessons? Do you yeah. work out regularly? Yeah, I go to That's class. I, I go to uh, Pilates class. Uh-huh. You know, I go to the gym once in a while. I if I have to, I go to the gym. <laughs> you, you drag yourself there. <laughs> yeah, they say, welcome, have a good work. And I go, okay. <laughs> I hate it. Yeah, I hate the gym. Yeah. I love Pilates class, though. I'm curious. I want to come back to a couple of things that you've been saying about how you kind of set your mind on something and you get there. And we talked about encores where, of course, you agreed to do Chicago for what was going to be five performances, and it became such a massive thing. And I read somewhere that originally your role on Cheers was a couple of episode guest shot. A one, epi- one episode guest. She held up one finger. You all couldn't <laughs> yeah, see that. A one episode guest shot. Um, one scene, one so episode. on the one hand, you can plan for things. On the other hand, there have been at least a couple of extraordinarily happy accidents mm-hmm. that have, have fallen right. your way. How yeah. much can you plan for it? And how much do you just go so where I it takes you? I don't think you can plan for anything. I really don't. I think you, th- you can think you can plan for things, but you really can't plan for things. You don't know what what things will be and how they'll serve you or satisfy you. You just never know. You know, I did, um, as you said, I did one uh, one scene in one episode of Cheers. And then I, you know, that was while I was waiting to come to Broadway in Sweet Charity. I was just hanging out in Los Angeles after we'd done the show there. And uh, I remember sitting in the wing uh, talking to Michael Rupert, who played Oscar in Sweet Charity. And he said, what are you going to do when they ask you to go and be on Cheers and, and do that? I said, they're not going to do that. He said, well, yes, they are. What are you going to do when they ask? I said, I, I don't want to be on television. You know, I had no desire to be on television, never thought about it in my life. It was not something that was ever anything that I could possibly have imagined. And then when the offer did come, I asked for the advice of... A couple of people who knew me very, very well, both uh, professionally and personally. I asked the advice of uh, Bob Fosse and Gwen Verdon, and I asked, and I got very uh, heartening advice from them, and I asked the advice of my parents. And my father said something interesting, which is like what you're saying. He said, you know, things have evolved for you and come your way in a very zen way. They're just sort of very organic, and one thing has led to the next, to the next, to the next, and this thing has come your way. 
and is sort of following in that pattern. So it seems, you know, it seemed to him, uh, and it did seem to me, that it would be um, probably an all right thing to uh, to take the job. Now, your role on Cheers as Lilith, mm. playing a very strong woman, your role in Chicago as Velma Kelly, again, a strong woman, any similarity between those and the real B.B. Newworth? Um, I, I think the similarity, similarity between m- me and, uh, m- and Lilith is that we're both uh, very uncomfortable uh, socially. Mm. She's, um, she is strong, but only... You know, in a very particular way, you know, she, uh, and I think she's (laughs) so weird. I think she's grown over the years, (laughs) but, um, but she is, uh, she's very shy actually. And in a way that I am also shy when I am in a social situation takes an enormous amount of energy for me to, um, appear not shy. And, um, it's, she's, she's awkward and I'm awkward that way. And, and, and to, uh, as for Velma, I think she and I are similar only in that we just want to be on stage. Mm-hmm. That's that's the that's all I I knew. Uh, the that was the thing that cracked me up about Velma. The thing that made me really laugh about her, and um, which I think is a very important thing in in finding a character, uh, was that she just would do anything <laughs> to get on stage. She was she's just a ham. And that's kind of like BB. You say? No, I'm not oh, a ham, not, but, but I love being on stage more than anywhere else. Really? Yeah. That's that's where I'm most uh, at home. That's where I'm the most uh, confident. That is where I'm the most who I actually am. Uh, that's how, when I am, how do I say this? Um, uh, it's when I'm most myself is when I'm uh, performing <laughs> someone else <laughs> or just performing on a stage. I've been on stage since I was seven. And um, you know, dancing in ballets at McCarter Theater in Princeton, and and um, I was in a ballet company in New Jersey, and you know, I I danced in all different venues. I mean, libraries, nursing homes, uh, all kinds of different things, big theaters, War Memorial, and Trenton, and that's just as long as if I was on stage, I was okay. If I was off stage, <laughs> maybe not so much. If you had to pick out a single moment, what would be the most exciting moment that you you've had in your very long and varied uh, career. Um, I can't actually. I'm happy to tell you I can't pick a, a single, single moment. moment. I can't pick a single one, no. Uh-huh. There have been, um, I've had so far some remarkable, um, really remarkable experiences on stage, some deeply personal, almost uh, spiritual uh, moments on stage. I've had some um, kind of spooky experiences on stage, you know, um, you would just think I was a flake if I told you any more than that. I was going to uh, say, can you tell us a little bit no, more about No, because you'll it? just think I'm crazy and like, mm, yeah, okay. Um, hmm. And I've had some very moving experience. As I, I said earlier, when the hostages came back from Iran, it was extraordinary to um, I guess that's why to be coming. able to, to to do that. It was, it was extraordinary to um, audition for Bob Fosse. It was extraordinary to stand next to him. It was extraordinary to dance with Gwen Verdon. I mean... I can't. Um, I can't. I can't tell you one. I'm happy to say I right, can't tell you, you had, one. You've had many, it sounds like. Yeah, I've. Yeah. I've uh, yeah, the stars were in a very good place over where I was born. <laughs> I've been very fortunate. Well, here here lies Jenny. Will open at the end of May. Goes into previews when is it? Um, uh, the f- uh, toward the first. 
uh, around think, the first week of May, week, we start yeah, previewing. In, in, yeah, in about a week right. from now, right? And then you run through uh, through July. That's right. But right. playing, I have to ask, only at eleven o'clock in the evening. That's right. That's right. So that go see your Broadway seem like a time show. To start doing a show. <laughs> well, go see your Broadway show, and then you know that's what there was a time when this is what people did. They would go see a show, and then you go, you know, to an after show. So you is that an artistic ha- choice to some degree? Absolutely, it's an artistic choice. It's um, we really. There is, uh, I think Roger has been, Roger Reese has been brilliant in that. First, he took me to see the Zipper Theater. He said, this is where I think the show should be. And when he showed me the theater, I thought that completes the gesture. You know, there's this creative gesture that we're making. And the gesture is completed if it's in this place. If it's in some kind of a stark, new, small theater, okay, it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. But wouldn't it be cool if, like, as soon as you walked into the building, where you were going to watch a show, you were in the place, and everything was evocative of what the show was about and so on. And it's this very cool theater. And, you know, there's a bar there, so you go, you relax, you have a little drink, and then you come, and the show's only, you know, it's a little bit more than an hour, so you're not going to be out till <laughs> 2 or 3 or anything. And... um could you imagine Long Day's Journey starting at 11 o'clock at night? But also, from the way you've described the show, it sounds kind of like a late night well, show. Well, that's the other thing. The yeah. other thing is that this event, this thing that happens between these five people, happens very late at night. So everything will make sense that way. It, it's it's the right time to do it. I cannot imagine a matinee of this. I was just going to say, and I, I love doing matinees. On a sunny by the way. Wednesday, on <laughs> a sunny Wednesday afternoon, to walk into a theater it to would, see the show just what? doesn't sound like it would fit. I tell you, it's so good that it would it would achieve what it needs to achieve. Mm-hmm. It would just be cooler and just a fuller experience if it if it happens when it happens. Now, not uh, you know jumping ahead too far, but after this show, do you have anything else lined up that we can talk about at this point in time publicly? Um, not. Not really. I have a couple of uh, concert uh-huh. dates, I think, that I'll be doing, you know, sort of around the country. Around the country. Um, all Kurt Vile material, I'll, you know, certain so some of the things, a lot of the things from this, uh, from Here Lies Jenny, as well as some, some more songs that, um, you know, Pirate Jenny or Sailor's Tango, things that right. are not in the show, but I love. That can work. Mm-hmm, yeah. And uh, several songs, actually, the French songs from Marie Gallant. How about Speak Low? Do you like that song? I love that song. Would you consider putting that in a show? Not uh, this one. I'd consider it. <laughs> I think it's one of his best. Oh, do you? Yeah. yeah. I think it's just a great, yeah. great song. It's beautiful. Yeah, mm. it certainly Have is. you ever heard Lou Reed sing the September song? I don't think so. It is phenomenal. It's an amazing Is that off the, the Lost in the Stars compilation right. CD? Yeah. People don't know with Marianne uh, Sting, Faithful Marianne singing Faithful. Uh, Soldier's Wife? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's really you, you hear that you go, "Oh, yeah, that's yeah, any that's chance, what it is." Any chance of us seeing a CD from you? Of, of uh yeah, time? we we do uh it is our it is our fondest hope and dearest wish to make a a, a recording of the show. I'm 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 fairly confident that we'll be doing that. Yeah. Please let us know cuz I'd like to play it here on this radio oh, okay. station. Okay. <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, we get into really good Broadway and off-Broadway music at this station, right. not just the big stuff, but uh-huh. everything. Yeah, great. And we would love to play that. I think it's I think it's interesting to hear the other stuff because, uh, it for one thing, it's fascinating because you don't get to hear it enough, and and then 
when you hear the big stuff that's really well known, you hear it, you have a, a different sort of appreciation. Your mm-hmm. appreciation for it becomes a little fuller mm-hmm. than it may have been. Great. Well, I think we'll say thank you so much for taking time at the end of a long rehearsal day to come mm-hmm. in and talk with us. We'll all look forward to seeing Here Lies Jenny at the Zipper Theater and seeing you around the country and wherever we can. <laughs> thank you very much from for here. having Bibi, me. Thanks for joining us. Sure. This is Howard Sherman from the American Theater Wing. And I'm John Von Susten. Bibi, thank you so much for coming in, and please come back and visit us again. Thanks, I will. Thank you. <laughs>